Hello, and welcome back to the YWAM Colorado Springs podcast. Today with us is Shannon Castile. Shannon works with YWAM Kona and helps lead the global branch of a women's movement called Brave Love Women. Today, she'll be touching on the character and nature of God and what it means to practically have demoted intimacy with the Lord. Let's jump right in. And she'd been pressing to get time with me. And honestly, I just didn't have time. So I said, I'm going to the grocery store. You can come with me. I'm going to be going, doing just shopping, and you can just talk while I'm shopping. She said, great, I'll take it. So I was going through the store, and I had my daughter with me, Shiloh. And this time, she was maybe 10 years old. And, um, and she, <laughs> this girl, we're, like, in line to check out. And this girl walks in, like, with a um, crutch on her crutches. And she has, like, a, something wrong with her leg. She has a boot, some kind of boot on her leg. And she, um, my daughter Shiloh was like, hey, mom, I'm going to go pray for that girl real quick. And I was like, okay. And I kept talking and checking out. And the student was like, oh, my God, you're going to, like, let your daughter go pray for that woman? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, well, what are you going to do, like, if she doesn't get healed? It feels so bad for your kid. You know, and that's the moment you realize this is what it is. This is what it is, isn't it? This is, what, this is where we're at. This is where we're stuck. This is where you're stuck. Most of you are stuck. Because we like want to believe, but we don't have enough evidence. And then we're afraid to, that Jesus isn't really going to do it, and we think it's up to us. And then we feel an unnecessary pressure, and we try to get people to him. But actually, biblically, Jesus, no one comes to the Father unless he draws them, not you. So what's powerful and this will relieve you of pressure, is that your single job is to look at him because he will draw all men to himself. So when my life exemplifies Christ, you're drawn to him, you're not drawn to me. My job is, to not, to, is not to draw you to me. Your leader's job is not to draw you to them. Your job, and or I'm sorry, your leader's job and your staff's job are to draw you to him. which again should give you a tremendous amount of confidence that you didn't make this decision to be here. God brought you here. You couldn't be here if he did not draw you here. I mean, we're talking about the creator of the universe, Jesus. Jesus, a real man, the son of God, the lamb of God that you've seen him, you've seen him work in your life, you've seen him work in your family's lives. I mean, guys, more kids are getting saved on TikTok and coming to freaking YWAM. They've never heard of David and Lion's Den. They don't have Christian parents. They don't have churches to support them. They're getting saved on TikTok and coming and saying, take my life and use it for your glory, God. Like, what are we here for? And the truth is, I'm not going to roll out a red carpet that doesn't have anything to do with Jesus. Gee, my job and what drives me is that you are his reward. You are the church. You are his bride. And he's coming back for a bride that's made herself ready. This is not just a random thought. This is what the Bible says. You're here, God drew you here, he provided for you, you did not provide for you, your mommy and daddy did not provide for you, 
Jesus provide for you because his hand's on your life. He formed you and he knew you. And he said, this one, this one belongs to me. And he took you and he snatched you up from a place where most of you were probably sinking. How many of you were sinking? Come on, guys, look around. This is our reality. Jesus did this. You did not do this. You cannot sustain this. Any door you have to push open, you have to hold open. But when God does it, you just walk through. And you trust him. You trust the process. Like, I want to tell you my story because I want you to understand how I came to know him. How I came to understand his character, his nature. I was a screw-up after screw-up after screw-up. I was the worst kid in my family. 100% the black sheep. 100%. I found out not that long ago that I was the only kid that got sent to summer camp. I was at like a family thing. We're all like hanging out, playing dominoes or speed scrabble, whatever it was, midnight, hanging out with all my brothers and sisters. And I'm like, guys, we're going to go to summer camp. Like, yeah, Shay, you were the only one that mom sent. I'm like, yo, that's crazy. I did not know that. You know what I'm saying? I was like the worst kid. Like my mom didn't know what to do with me. And like I'm standing in front of you right now to tell you that it's crazy. That if God can use my life, he can use anybody's. If God can save you, he can save anyone. Your own story should give you hope for the hardest and the darkest. Come on, guys. Jesus is the savior of the world. Like he came, he died for us. The testimony that you already have of him pulling you out from where you were and bringing here and setting your feet on solid ground so that he didn't lose you to the world, but he began to ransom you for himself in this place is powerful, more powerful than you realize because you're only a week too. Everybody take a deep breath. We have 30 minutes left. Can we do it? Let's pause for a minute. I want to hear some of your thoughts. Come on, guys. I want to unlock you. You're just going to sit and listen. You do not have to have a pressure of engaging. You are a Zoom generation. You're a social media generation. You can sit and observe and never have to engage. You can sit and listen and never have to speak. I'm challenging you to respond. I'm challenging you to think. Use your brain. Don't let someone else think for you. It's not my job. My job is not to convince you. That's exhausting and usually doesn't work. My job is to provoke you and to bring conviction. And not the conviction that you're like screwed up. I really believe the Holy Spirit's primary job is to convict you of your righteousness. At least that's what the Bible says. And what that means is the Holy Spirit comes and he keeps you, he gives you, it's called accountability. But what that means is he's keeping you in account of your ability. So when he comes, what he does is he says, don't forget who you are. You can't touch that, son. You can't look at that. You're a man after me. I brought you here. You have the call of God in your life. And the Holy Spirit comes and it begins to just, it never, in my experience, he doesn't feel like this. Sorry, you can handle it, okay? He doesn't feel like this. That's not what he feels like. 
He doesn't feel like this. That's not what it feels like. I know you can. I know you can handle it. I know you can handle it. He feels like this. It's not who you are. You have the call of God in your life. And when he comes, and he is, and he will, because it's what he does, he just reminds you what he did for you, who he is, and in turn reminding you who you are, that there's things that you can't do, places you can't go, things you can't watch. Songs you shouldn't listen to because they take you back to a dark place. Like, it's not about a rule or a regulation. It's about being gripped with the love of God. And then all of a sudden, you stop asking stupid questions like, how short can my shorts be? And how far can I go in sex before it's actually sex? I hate stupid questions. Because stupid questions reveal the heart. Hold on. Hard questions like that show you where your heart's really at. And that's why, guys, we have to, like, this is like, I want to see him. I want to touch him. I want to know him. I want to hear him. Because when you love him, you don't do anything to take yourself away, to draw away. You don't put distance between yourself and the person that like set you free. Does that make sense? It's like you're, you get it. I want to turn a light switch on for you that will never go out unless you want it to, which the only way that would happen is if you choose to walk over and to turn it off and to walk out. And some of you might. None of you have to. But this is like, man, what is he really like? I actually don't know and I want to know. This is what he's really like. This is what he does. And most of us don't have the right picture. It's called perversion. And perversion means the wrong version. That's what perversion means, the wrong version. And I really believe, like, who wants to give their life for a Savior that they don't really know and don't really understand? No one. Like, again, the last thing I'll say, and I want to hear it, unless you don't, like, you should ask it now. But I, I feel like you guys are the, you guys are the, you're the harvesters. You guys coming here is the transition between being the harvest, like the ones that, like, needed Jesus to come, but then he did, and now he's, like, brought you here, and now you're going to swing. Now you are actually going to see people get saved. You went from the harvest to the harvesters. Again, you have to, like, let that sink in. You guys are here because God's hand is on your life. You're going to make it because he wants you to. <laughs> you're going to hear him because he's talking and he wants you to hear him more than you want to hear him. And you're going to see him because he wants to show himself to you more than you want to see him. What is he really like? Do you want to ask him? Does this make sense, guys? I can give you 150 verses on the character and nature of God, but you can Google that. I like want to impart to you my heart because I know him. I'm going to tell you about when I got pregnant with Shiloh. 
I was dating this guy. And honestly, guys, I'd already had a baby out of wedlock. Put that baby up for adoption. And it was, it was really not awesome. The situation was really tough. I got mega disappointed. And I was dating this guy that was in, in Long Island. And then I started dating this, and it was just a mess. And then I started dating this other guy. And I got super disappointed. Really, some really hard stuff happened. And I just, every time something hard would happen, it would confirm what I was already suspicious of, that I wasn't worth anything, that no guy that loved God would ever care about me, and that I was like damaged goods. This should break every man's heart in here because most women will feel like this if they've lost their virginity. And like more than just, um, just giving girls confidence, I want to give guys uh, maybe a little bit of a sobering reality that you have a tremendous responsibility to restore women's femininity to them and worth. And so I, I, I got really robbed. And I ended up going home. This was after DTS Leadership School, School of the Prophetic, multiple things. I'd already done a school of worship, and, oh, there's so much I could tell you. But I'm going to skip to this part, and then maybe I'll go back. Actually, no, I'll tell you this part. How much do I have, God? Help us. Because it's just such a great story. Okay, so I already told you that Melissa is my, do you guys know who I'm talking about, Melissa Helser? Like, I'm no longer a slave here. I'm a child of God, of whole world. <laughs> so this will help you again it gives you guys hope um so this was like johnny only knew like jonathan david helser but he only knew like three chords okay and uh melissa was not a singer ever i was actually the singer i did voice lessons at meredith college and all this stuff and then i smoked too many cigarettes too many, did too many drugs and lost my voice so i um I'm not proud of that. I just sound like I was proud of that, but sadly, I lost my voice. Um, and so I, um, anyways, and so, but when they knew no songs and was, was not a singer and Johnny only knew three chords, I was dating this guy I was about to get married to. And I would have definitely called it picket, getting picket fenced, which means that, you know, I'm going to settle for a life where I'm just like in a little white picket fence in a little house with a dog and two kids, a boy and a girl, and, a, you know, go hunting on the weekends because that's what he did. He was a hunter. And, like, for fun in North Carolina, we would, like, only you girls are going to understand this, but at night, because there's nothing to do, you go spotlighting. I don't know if people still do this, but you just take a huge spotlight and you go through the fields and you shine it on, like, these huge bucks and all this stuff, okay? And you drink and all those things while you're doing it. So it's super fun, actually, and really weird and very country. Um, so I was about to get married to this guy who was kind of saved, good old boy. And I was still smoking, kind of, a, kind of just like whatever. But, like, I love Jesus, you know, one of those Christians. And my sister, Melissa, and Johnny come to my house. Actually, they were just dating this time. And Johnny, like, he's pretty put together now. But, like, at this time, he had, like, super baggy, like, totally looked like Jesus. Long hair, super baggy cords, like the Jesus slippers, like this, this. There used to be something called MTV. And there was this guy called Max Hedrum. And he had this, like, old MTV T-shirt that he wore every single day. I don't know if he showered with, like, holes all in it. It's pretty crazy. It's come a long way. But anyways, so she, Melissa comes up. 
And Melissa's kind of like, she's still like this. Okay, but this was like 20 and some change years ago before y'all were born. Um, like, you know, she's like the part where it's like, Johnny is like the butter of the bread. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with, you know, and everybody's like, come on, let's just get to Melissa's part. At least that's how I feel. And her part is like, you split this. You know, we're all like losing our minds. So I could walk right through it. You know, my fears are drowned in perfect love. And we're all just like losing our minds, you know. So that's Melissa's part. It's just very similar to that back then. Johnny was just kind of playing the chords. You know, super hippie, hippie dude, just kind of like. And Melissa's just kind of, and I'm like sitting there, and I'm getting uncomfortable. The uncomfortable, the uncomfortable thing that starts happening to you when you know God's about to do something and you're not sure if you want it. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Most of you. That's good. <laughs> you're like, girl, I know. So I'm sitting there, and I start feeling panicky. And in my heart, I'm thinking, get out of the room. Get out. Five minutes. We just, I'm in our, we're in our playroom in North Carolina. You know, I'm about to get married to this country dude who's a good old boy. I've already done DTS, leadership school. I've had crazy words over my life since I was little. I mean, like, crazy stuff. Okay, I already did the school of the prophets, all this stuff. I'm, like, about to get married to this, like, dude. And they're just, like, he's just playing. And Melissa's just sitting there. And I'm, like, five minutes, fine, ten minutes, uh, 15 minutes. I'm, like, I need to go smoke. 20 minutes, I'm, like, get out of here. I can feel the heat. You know, the heat. And so I was trying to think of that Ronald Reagan quote. What does he say? About, like, if you can't make them, if you can't make them something, like, make them feel the heat. It's something I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Someone can look it up later. So anyways, he's a, he was a president. And so I'm sitting there. I'm feeling the heat. I'm like, get me out of here. Like, get me out of here. And all of a sudden, it's probably been 30 minutes. Johnny's still just, like, just playing, and they're just praying, and not, like, kind of singing, but not really and all of a sudden, my sister, my little sister Melissa explodes off the couch and just starts praying in tongues, like losing her mind. And I'm sitting there, and she's like, and I'm like, like, you can feel the spirit of God just like hits the room. And she's like, I am sick and tired of the enemy, like robbing my family. And the moment she says that, it's like I go into that weird bubble where you can't hear anything. And I'm just watching her. I'm watching Johnny. I'm watching her, and I'm like, it's, I'm in silence. And God speaks to me. And he says, Shannon, I love you. And you can marry Josh, and I'll still bless you. I know there's three Joshes in this school. Sorry, boys. It was one of the Joshes in here. I never say his name either. Ironic. So the Lord says to me, you can marry Josh and I'll still bless you. Because again, you need to know what Jesus is really like. When people are like, God made me, I'm like, no, he didn't. That's not what he's like. He's not like that. He works in invitation. He draws us in. It's the power of Christianity and Jesus that everyone has a choice. The fact that you can do whatever you want and you still choose them is so powerful.
And he said, Shannon, you can marry Josh, and I'll still bless you. And still, Johnny, what's up? I'm in the bubble. And he said, but if you marry him, you will be aborting the reason I created you. And the bubble, and I knew right then, I took my ring off. So we're about to get married. And I went to his house and I said, hey, I'm so sorry, I cannot marry you. I did not say, God doesn't want me to marry you because that's not fair. It's not his fault. If he's not the best for me, I'm not the best for him either. Don't ever do that to people. It's wrong. But I, like, let go in that moment. And within a few months, I was in, uh, my first time I went to Kona 2020, 20, I'm sorry, 2000, 23 years, almost 22 years ago. And I did my uh, school of worship. And I ended up falling in love with this guy. Is everybody still good? I'm going to roll for a few more minutes. I ended up falling in love with another guy. It's the worst, I know. And honestly, I went home at Christmas, and I thought, I felt the Lord tell me, don't go to his home for Christmas unless he pays for it. And I didn't do that. He was like, I don't have the money, but I just want you to come. Da, 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 da. So I ignored my personal conviction, paid for myself, went. It was amazing, awesome Christian dude. Get to the end of the week, and he's like, hey, just so you know, like we're totally just friends. And I got out of the car, and I'm like, again, you're never going to be good enough. You're not worth anything. And no godly man's ever going to love you. It was what it was. It was the suspicions that were still lingering that were being confirmed through the disappointment. That's how the enemy works. He looks for the dent. He looks for the fear. He looks for the area that you're vulnerable. And he baits you. And if you take the bait, everything in your life will be to begin to confirm the lie. That's how the enemy works. You need to know that because you're going to be generals. And if you don't understand how the enemy works, you'll get taken out more easily. Do you understand? This is how the enemy works. He baits you. He sets something in front of you. You're not really good enough. You're like, whatever. And he sets something else in front of you. And, he set, and in the moment you take the bait, everything in your life will begin. What he does is he begins to get behind things and press them into you to confirm whatever lie that he got you to believe. That's how he works. So some of you guys swirl out. It's unnecessary. It's actually immature. Swirling out is a sign of immaturity. So being able to, like swirling out, like, like I'm confident God wants me to do DTS 100%. God provided $5,000. It's so awesome. I'm here. Feel the spirit of God. Week later. What the crap am I doing? I have no idea what I'm doing here. I need $5,000 more for outreach. This is crazy. What, like, that's the swirl. Where, like, the moment where you maybe don't understand something, the enemy offers it to you, you take it, and then what he does, he begins to reaffirm to you. Do you even believe what that leader just said? Like, is why I'm crazy? Is it kind of like a, it's kind of a little cultish, isn't it? Like, all of a sudden, things like, does that make sense? It's the chitter-chatter that begins to, like, and if you believe it, it'll start confirming something. And the purpose of the enemy's purpose in that is to get you out of YWAM, to get you out of your destiny, to get you away from Jesus. And he'll sometimes do it in really good ways because he's an angel of light. Again, this is just the, what the Bible says. 
So anyways, back to me. So I go home, and I remember, I remember the moment. I'm like, I'm going out. I'm going to get drunk. This is like right after. I'm like, I just come out of this, the 20th ministry school that I've been in, you know? And like still not sure. And I literally remember leaving my room that night, looking back. I remember having a vision of Jesus sitting on my bed, like weeping. And I left the room, did not care. Because you guys know this, that once you've made your decision to sin, you will. A heart set to sin is going to do it. When you've made your decision, like I used to do this with cigarettes. Like, I can't stop thinking about smoking. I don't know what to do. I just need to get one cigarette. Then all of a sudden, everything throughout the day is like, how, what am I going to do to, like, adjust and to get everything that I need to do so that I can get out there at 11 o'clock after everyone's asleep, smoke a cigarette, get a piece of gum back in, spray some stuff back in so that no one knows I'm so, Like, it's like that. Does that make sense? It's like the sin that breeds. It's like it's a slippery slope. And before you know it, you're in it. And like, how did I get here? You made a decision. And so I go, go to this club. Last thing I remember is falling on the ground. People are dancing and um, stomping me. And got dragged in front of a house. Um, throw up diarrhea all over me. And six weeks later, I found I was pregnant. And that was my first son that I put up for adoption. And I, I can't look back. I, ha I can't, I can't like... And maybe part of my personality is I, I always am like, that was my fault. I put myself into a situation that was extremely vulnerable. I surrounded by, by my, myself with people who were untrustworthy. And I put, and, and, and I reap the reward of sin because there's like both. There's rewards for obedience and then there's consequences. There's consequences for both. There's consequences for obedience and there's consequences for sin. And and I and I and I had that baby. I remember even during that time, I, I totally wanted to kill myself. And you know, you when you're in a dark place, kind of the thing the enemy wants you to think is like, or I don't know if anyone thinks like this or ever has these thoughts, but I'd be like, no one would even come to my funeral. Like, I bet no one would come, and I'd think, I want to kill myself just to see who cares. It's such a crazy, demonic thought. And, and I remember wanting to drive myself off the side of a road, and I had an encounter with God. And the, I stopped the car on the side of the road. I remember this happening, but I've stopped sharing it because I feel like I've started to lose some of my memory. But what I remember happening was I was driving on this back road in North Carolina. It's long, really, and it was right around Falls Lake. And I had the thought, I'm going to drive off the, into the lake. And so I was literally about to kill myself, and I looked in front of my car, and there was a huge deer. And I blinked, and I looked in my rear view mirror, and the deer was directly behind my car. I'm 99.9% .9 sure that that happened. There's 1% where I'm like, did I have a vision? Did I have that memory? Like, does that make sense? So I stopped sharing that, but I feel to share it with you. And it was like my, the fear of the Lord hit me in my car. I pulled over on the side of the road. I was literally about to kill myself. And 
the Lord gives me this vision. And in the vision, and I'm like six months, seven months pregnant with my son that I'm putting up for adoption. And I feel so tender. I'm so sorry, guys. I don't have, I don't have to think about, I don't think about this very much. I don't think about like, because last night when I was thinking about sharing with you guys this week and they were talking about the character and nature of God, I'm like, who do I know you to be? And I got all the little post-it notes the girls gave me and I'm like, healer. And I could think of an example and then I could, and then I thought redeemer and I thought of an example and I thought like, my friend. And I thought of an example. It's like I could think of like so many examples of where like I really know him as my Lord, as my Savior, as my friend, as my Redeemer. Like, he's my best friend, and at the same time when he walks in the room, it's like, it scares me. I'm not like, yo, homie, what's up? I just, and I don't have to think about how do I know that. I don't have to think about that very much, you know? You just kind of like when you walk in, you sit in a chair. You don't think about how do I know this chair is going to hold me up? How do I know it's not going to break? How do I, you're not thinking about any of those things. You just walk in and you trust the chair is going to hold you. It's like that's where I feel like I'm at in my walk with the Lord. And yet, you guys, most of you, you're just beginning your walk. You're just learning how to say no to sin, how to say no to stupid stuff. You're just now learning how to, how to stop asking dumb questions. You're just now learning how to like let the Lord challenge you. Don't be a freaking wuss. <laughs> Do the workout. Let it hurt. You're going to be fine. You need to know where your weaknesses are. You won't grow if you don't. What do you want? Do you want to wake up in six months and be the same? Do you want to give the nations a watered-down gospel? Haven't we had enough of that? Isn't your generation already kind of optimistically blind they don't want to see aren't we all following a version of Jesus that we want him to be sorry you don't get to choose it doesn't matter how you feel this is the version of Jesus this is who he is whether you like it or not you don't get to pick your version of him don't you want a cause that's worth laying your life down for And I like look back and I think about this moment. I think, man, the things that would have happened if I would have selfishly taken my life because I just couldn't see. And he gripped me. And the picture was, I saw a screen come down. And the screen was the shepherd with the sheep. And I see the one little sheep run away. And the screen kind of rolls up, and the Lord says to me, and honestly, I'm offended, because this is like a nursery rhyme. And the Lord says to me, do you believe that that shepherd loves the sheep? I'm like, sure. And then it, like, unrolls again, like a movie screen. And I see the shepherd leaving the sheep, going and getting the lamb, breaking the lamb's legs, putting the lamb on his shoulders, and began to walk back to the sheep. I'm six, seven months pregnant at this point. 
screen rolls up, and the Lord says to me, do you still believe that that shepherd loves the sheep? And you know, like, well, now I'm not sure. But the Lord said to me, you are that sheep. And you're going to experience closeness with me that no one else in the flock will understand. Because of my brokenness. But I, I got to experience what it was like to be broken and carried by the Lord. And I still feel that. Like he sustained me and carried me. Basically, three years later, it was repeat. Awesome, dude. This is the last story I'm going to share, and then we'll go do whatever you're supposed to do. Because this, this is what changed everything. Another guy walked off a stage, super, super awesome worship leader. He's actually pretty famous now. And he, uh, don't try to figure it out. And his name wasn't Josh. I'm just kidding, but but I'm serious. But And he uh, came off this stage like a year after I put this baby up for adoption, which I have so much to share with you guys because I actually just met him for the first time last year. It's crazy, but I'll share that with you guys later. Um, and so I, I was at this big worship night, like totally coming back to the Lord. It was a year, dark year after I had Josiah. It was dark for me, very dark for me really painful and um you know is anybody adopted is anybody else a birth mom or dad had a baby that you all you put up for adoption you are okay most people who are adopted don't realize what a birth mom goes through and i mean for a year i cried every day and i would wake up thinking i was holding my baby but he wasn't there. And my dad would be like, and I'd be like, where's my baby? But I'd be like, Shannon, remember you put him up for adoption? I'm like, <laughs> I mean, it was like so crazy thinking as a birth mom. And God's really redeemed, really redeemed it. Um, but no mother makes a dis that decision easily. And so I just want to say that to both of you guys. Um, I'm going to finish with the story about Shiloh. So basically, three years later, it was a repeat, guys. And I got to see what is with this super awesome guy. He came off a stage, walked over to me, said, God, show me you're my wife. Number one, don't, if, like, that's crazy. Um, but he was like, the situation's too long and too gritty to, to kind of share through it. But basically, we kind of, try to see, almost secretly get married, and my dad said, H, no, definitely not, like, do, didn't, my dad just didn't, just was, like, bad feeling, and the guy, honestly, is really an amazing man of God, but really broken, and he ended up leaving, and we were, again, about to get married, but the Lord knew I would not marry him against my father's will, so I feel so thankful that my dad, like, didn't just be like, baby, whatever you want, you be you, so thankful. You won't do that when you're parents. You shouldn't. 
So anyways, so I, my dad was like, I just, it's not good. And this guy came up to me. And again, three years after like all the stuff with Josiah. And he said, um, yeah, you know, I was just with my mentor. My mentor said like, how could a guy like you ever think that God would want a guy like you to marry a girl like her? Talking about me. And then he told me. I was at it working at a coffee shop. It was just the, I was on my break. And he's like, so I'm leaving town. Literally got up and left town. And I mean, I just, again, no one's ever going to love you. You're not worth anything. Just went so crazy, guys. Next morning, it was like um, worst snowstorm in North Carolina history. Like, I'm not joking. They literally said it was the worst snowstorm that was coming in North Carolina history. I had to drive for three hours to get to Wilmington to get to the beach. I woke up. My mom came to my house at like 5 a.m. I was like, Shannon, I just feel like, do not go, babe. I just, I do not. I'm like, I'm going, because my heart was set. I'm going to go. I'm going to meet my former drug dealer. And I'm just going to, I didn't know, like, you know, just coping and like numbing the pain. I'm just going to go back to where everybody expects me to be. And I drove. Like, it was like that moment from, uh, what's it called? Jim Carrey. Like, God, show me a sign. Bruce Almighty, no. Yeah, yeah. I keep saying Evan Almighty, but it's, yeah, I remember this. And, he's, and it's like, detour, turn around, yield. And he's like, God, should be like ignoring. That was me, 100%. There's like 15 reasons why I definitely shouldn't have gone. Totally determined. And literally get there. Just totally while out. And... I'm definitely drunk, definitely doing drugs, definitely like kind of out of my mind. End up getting in bed with this guy. And like, I swear to you, 30 seconds, I'm freaking out. I like push him off me, go to the bathroom. I'm like weeping, like, I'm never gonna be what you want me to be. I'm never gonna. I get in my car, I drive to the coast. I'm like slamming the, the wheel, my steering wheel, weeping. I'm never gonna be able to be what you want me to be. I'm never gonna be able to do what you want me to do. And I grab this journal, which I'm not a journaler. I'm not proud of that. You should journal. I'm just really bad at writing things out. I've come to grips with it. And so, but I got this journal and I just started writing. I have no idea why I did that. In my car, literally 30 minutes after I'm in bed, tripping, not good, crying out to God in my car. I'm never going to be able to be what you want me to be. I'm never going to be able to do what you want me to do. And I'm writing this little thing. And all of a sudden, I have a total moment of clarity. And the, the, what I wrote was God's voice. It was a letter from God to me that I had written. And the first thing it says, Shannon, I love you. You are who I want you to be. You are going to do what I want you to do. You are never going to go around this mountain again. And he broke in. And he wrecked me. And he gripped me. And he told me what my parents had told me and what amazing leaders had told me and pastors had told me and elders had told me and friends had told me. But I don't know what happened. But faith hit my heart to believe that I was never going to be the same. 
and I needed to go back to the hotel. I left all my stuff. I drove all the way back. I don't know what happened. Faith hit my heart. And I was like worshiping and just drove three hours all the way back. And six weeks later, I found out I was pregnant with Shiloh. But I have never been the same. And the Lord showed me this about Shai's last thing I'll say, and then we'll pray. The Lord showed me, he said, Shannon, this was after she was born. It's actually a few years ago when I was teaching. I had a revelation, which I've always understood, but I didn't have language for. He said, Shannon, Shiloh was the redemptive factor that I inserted into your sin. She was the only way he could have redeemed it by giving me the gift of her life. He redeemed my life through my daughter, Shiloh. And I've never been the same. I'm telling you guys this because this is what Jesus is like. This is what I know to be true. I can't tell you what I don't know, but I can tell you what I do know. That I've never not known his faithfulness. I've never not known his kindness. And he's real. He's a real man. And God wants to reveal the reality of who he is to us. And I believe he wants to do that through your own stories. So I want to just close with asking the Lord to speak to you right now. To remind you of one moment when he came. To remind you of an instance where you're like, dang, I remember him coming and speaking to me. It might be how you got here. It might be in a moment of your darkest, he just came in and said, hey, you belong to me. You can't stay here. I just believe he wants by way of reminder. And then let's ask him to give you one, uh, like a, whatever, of him, a descriptor. Maybe the moment was you, you saw him as your friend. Maybe you saw him as your redeemer. He redeemed something that you thought was lost and broken. Maybe it was a moment when you needed a friend and he just drew near. Maybe it's knowing him as a comforter that you were weeping and all of a sudden he was weeping with you. Because you guys, knowing the character and nature of God is connected to actually not information about him, 